Welcome back to Historically Inaccurate, Wholesome Heritage Moments with Megs. This season, we're covering some of Canada's best scandals, starting all the way back to Confederation. On this episode, we're traveling back 100 years in time to the Roaring Twenties. The King Bing Affair of 1926 involved Prime Minister William Lyon Mackenzie King and Governor General Julian Bing. Essentially, King requested a dissolvement of Parliament and Bing refused. As we learned from the Pacific Scandal, dissolving Parliament triggers a general election which, in this instance, Bing wouldn't allow. It ended up causing a Canadian constitutional crisis that ended up changing the role of the Governor-General in Canadian politics forever. Now, before we get into the actual affair, ooh, so scandalous, let's talk about some people, some places, and some things, shall we? First of all, we need to talk about the role of the Governor-General in Canadian politics. Because Canada is a constitutional monarchy with a clear separation between the head of state, the monarch, and the head of government, the prime minister. The governor general's role is to act as a representative of the crown on Canadian soil. The governor general has represented the crown since the beginning of European settlement in Canada. Like, all the way back, as in the first Viceroy of Canada took office in 1541 under the reign of Francis I. That's back before there were cell phones and cars that drove themselves. Heck, that's back before we had landlines, which are so old, Generation Z doesn't even know they existed. TikTok told me that's, that's a thing. What is the role of the Governor-General in modern-day Canada? Well, much like the Sovereign, the Governor-General is meant to be above politics. They're not supposed to get involved in the day-to-day -day political matters involving the head of government. While the role is appointed by the Sovereign, the candidate for Governor-General is ultimately recommended by the Prime Minister and typically holds the role for five years. As the Sovereign's representative, the Governor-General has a whole slew of responsibilities like swearing the Prime Minister into office, summoning, suspending, and dissolving Parliament, appointing members to the Privy Council, and signing official documents into effect. The Governor-General also acts as a representative of Canada, both domestically and abroad, they help strengthen Canada's ties to other nations by traveling internationally while also hosting heads of state when they visit Canada. You can see why it's such an important role and why having someone who is a sucky person in the role would be damaging for Canada's reputation and bank account if they were to, you know, have to resign because they created a toxic environment at Redu Hall and the government had to pay out settlements to claimants. And it's also why our current Governor General, the Honorable Mary Simon, is such a rad choice. Mary is the 30th Governor General of Canada and is Inuk, making her the first Indigenous person to hold the title. 
On September 10, 2022, Simon signed the proclamation of the ascension of King Charles III at Rideau Hall, and she is also the first Governor General to serve under two monarchs since Lord Tweedsmere held the role in 1936. No matter how you feel about the monarchy, that's pretty cool. But let's jump back in time a bit. In 1921, William Lyon Mackenzie King was elected Prime Minister after winning a slim majority as head of the Liberal Party. In an appeal to strengthen support, King attempted to court the farmers in Ontario and Western Canada by reducing tariffs and freight rates. But that wasn't enough to garner their support. Even though the 1920s were a boom era for most, Canadian farmers were struggling and they formed their own progressive party in response, ultimately winning 14 seats in the 1921 election. King was confident that he was doing well and winning the Canadian people over. He had prevented Arthur Meehan's Conservative Party from swooping in and implementing high tariffs. It was a win in his book and everything was going great. That is, until a scandal within King's government brought everything crashing down around him. The King-Bing affair, or King-Bing-Wing-Ding, as it was also called, started on October 29, 1925, when the Conservatives took a minority government with 116 seats, compared to King's Liberals with 110 seats. King declined to turn power over to Meehan's Conservative Party and instead took the decision to the House of Commons to let Parliament decide who should govern. Because apparently the House of Commons can vote on who they want to back in a minority government situation. Isn't Canada great? The new House of Commons decided to back King's minority liberal government. They just so happened to have a large amount of support from the Progressive Party. Meehan was, of course, livid. He called for the dismissal of King, but Governor General Lord Julian Bing had no just cause for removing King as Prime Minister. King had a nice eight-month reprieve, but then on June 25th, 1926, King's government was hit with quite the customs scandal. Members of the Customs Department were found to be conducting illicit trade deals with American bootleggers. If you're interested in knowing more about Canada's role in American Prohibition, I cover it in Season 1, Episode 3 of this very podcast. Sensing that this affair wouldn't end well for him, King requested that Jacques Bureau, Minister of Customs and Excise, resign and take a position in the Senate instead. One month before Bureau's resignation, King had written in his journal, Bureau, I was saddened and shocked to hear, is on another drunken spree. Poor fellow, he is killing himself rapidly, cannot overcome his condition. Only two days later, he would add, Outrageous and disgraceful the manner in which Customs Department being run. The scandal broke before Conservative MP Henry Stevens requested that the House pass a motion to create a special committee to investigate the activities of the Customs Department. 
The committee found that Bureau had shielded individuals and had also personally benefited by receiving contraband liquor. The drunken spree now kind of makes sense. His chauffeur had even received a smuggled vehicle. Apparently, it paid to be besties with Bureau. King knew that it was only a matter of time before a vote of confidence would be called, and so, to get ahead of it, he requested that Bing dissolve Parliament. He hoped in calling a general election that he might be able to gain power without the help of the Progressive Coalition. Bing declined. On June 28, 1926, King simply wrote in his journal, resigned as Prime Minister of Canada today. On the day of his resignation, King spoke to the House of Commons, stating, His Excellency, having declined to accept my advice on the subject of dissolution, to which I believed under British practice I was entitled, I have tenured my resignation, which His Excellency has agreed to accept. As King moved for the House to adjourn, Meehan proclaimed that it shouldn't be allowed and that he should have been allowed to say something too. He then requested audience with the Prime Minister, to which King responded, There is no Prime Minister. And so Bing went to Meehan and asked him to form a government. During this time in Canadian politics, if a member of parliament was appointed to a cabinet post, they had to resign their seat and then seek re-election in a by-election. Meehan thought he could subvert this by giving up his own seat while naming fellow conservatives as acting ministers or ministers without portfolio. A minister without portfolio is a minister with no specific responsibilities or department. He figured that if they didn't really have anything to do in the government, then they didn't need to resign and seek re-election. Obviously, King and the Liberal Party strongly disagreed. If the new ministers were to legally run the government, then they had to resign and be re-elected. You know, do things the legit way? Otherwise, they had no right to govern. The Conservatives managed to make it through four parliamentary votes before failing the fifth. They were in power for three days before Meehan asked Bing to dissolve Parliament. This time, Bing agreed. An election was called for September 14, 1926. Meehan claimed that the Liberals were corrupt, and if you're wondering what gaslighting looks like, this would be a decent example of it. King's platform largely included the constitutional issue of the British Governor-General interfering with Canadians' right to govern themselves. It's probably unsurprising that the Liberals won with a majority government. The King-Bing affair was a massive turning point in Canadian politics, leading to constitutional reform with the passing of the Statute of Westminster in 1931. It declared that Britain and its dominions were constitutionally equal in status and gave them full legal freedom except for areas of their choosing. From that point forward, the Governor General would follow the explicit advice of the Prime Minister and not British Parliament. Upon his appointment as Governor General on August 2, 1921, Bing had told Meehan, then Prime Minister, 
I've never done anything like this, you know, and I expect I'll make mistakes. I do believe you might call that foreshadowing. During his time at Rideau Hall, Bing hosted future King Edward VIII during his Canadian tour in 1924. It was during this time that Bing advised Edward not to return to Canada during the remainder of Bing's term, as he greatly disapproved of Edward's pursuit of married women during his time in the nation's capital. Apparently, Edward very much had a type. And in case you don't remember, Edward is former Queen Elizabeth's uncle who abdicated the throne so that he could marry Wallace Simpson, who was a divorcee. Very scandalous in its own right. Bing was the first governor general to travel as far north as the Arctic Circle and meet with the Inuit people living in remote communities. He took a liking towards hockey and attended most Ottawa senators' home games. His relationship with King had started off cordially with King writing to a friend in 1921 that he was pleased with Bing and that if by any chance I should come to be his advisor in the near future, I shall expect that the association will be one of the happiest and best in my life. There was no doubt that Bing's behavior was unconstitutional. He didn't just deny King's request for dissolution, he also refused his request to consult the British government in seeking resolution. Bing declared that the decision rested on himself alone, believing that he was acting in the interest of Canada. After the King-Bing affair, Bing would return to London, where he would become the commissioner of the London Metropolitan Police and earn the title Viscount Bing of Vimy. He passed away at the age of 72 due to an abdominal blockage while at his Essex country house. King comfortably remained as prime minister until 1930 when he was defeated by the Conservatives under R.B. Bennett. His refusal to offer federal funding to provinces that were struggling with unemployment during the Great Depression might have had something to do with his defeat. He took the 1935 election head-on with the campaign slogan, King or Chaos. The Liberals took a majority win over Bennett, whose solution to unemployment was work camps, which might have been his downfall. King saw Canada through World War II, he had hoped to avoid another war, noting in his journal that Hitler was really one who truly loves his fellow man after meeting him in Berlin. I would fault him for this, but Hitler was notorious for winning people over. How do you think he got in Germany's favor to begin with? Whenever one of my friends tries to defend someone that is obviously terrible by saying that they're just so nice, my reply is usually... Even Hitler was well-liked. Good old Adolf even had gone as far as assuring King that Germany had no desire for war, which we all know was absolute filth and lies. Anti-conscription sentiment was still high in Quebec after World War I, and French Canadians were still pretty salty about being forced to fight overseas the first time. To get them on side, King promised Canadians there would be no conscription for overseas service, and in 1939, following England's lead, King declared that Canada was at war. He further secured an increased majority government with the snap election in 1940. 
Labor shifted to wartime efforts, dropping unemployment numbers drastically. King introduced unemployment insurance, family allowances, and proposals for health insurance to help foster confidence in Canadians who feared another post-wartime Great Depression. Around this same time, King went back on his word, introducing conscription for Canadian defense only. But in 1944, with the body count rising and the volunteer service rate dropping, King finally agreed to send some of the home defense troops overseas. Even the French Canadians begrudgingly accepted. After the war, the Liberals narrowly won the 1945 election. King chose to take a step back, favoring a more minimal role in government. Three years later, he was finally persuaded to resign as Prime Minister. He passed away in 1950 from pneumonia. King led the Liberal Party from 1919 to 1948, with 22 of those years as Prime Minister, making him Canada's longest-serving PM. While he was thought to be cold and uncharismatic, he did have some interesting pastimes. After his death, King's diaries were published and Canadians learned that King was a spiritualist who apparently often tried to make contact with his dead mother and other deceased relatives and friends. He claimed to have made contact with that former Canadian Prime Minister guy, Wilfrid Laurier, that painter guy, you know him, Leonardo da Vinci, that former American President guy, Roosevelt, and his dead dogs. King never married, and some historians believe that he may have hired help in the bedroom, if you catch my drift, while others believe that he was in love with Lord Tweedsmere, whom he appointed as Governor General in 1935. King's pastimes earned him the moniker Wacky Willie, which is some CanCon history I can definitely get behind. The King-Bing affair still remains one of Canada's greatest constitutional crises and is often brought up when things get a little bit dicey in Parliament. The 2008 coalition crisis saw the Liberals, NDP, and Bloc Québécois joining forces to defeat Stephen Harper's minority Conservative government. Harper ended up requesting a prorogation, suspension of government, and Governor General at the time, Mikhail Jean, granted his request. Two months later, Parliament reconvened, Harper survived, and won the next election as a majority. There was great speculation over whether or not Jean would allow a new election if requested by Harper, and without the King being a fair, maybe she would have. Who knows? Either way, the Statute of Westminster probably saved her an intestinal blockage. That's all I have for now. Until next time, thank you for being here. I appreciate you. You are the very best. See you later.